Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 179. We hope you guys had a wonderful weekend and we thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. Yeah, we are really excited to share our interview with our friend, Christy. We are amazed by everything that she does on a daily basis. She wears so many hats. She's an attorney. She's a mom. She helps co-host the DCL podcast, which we're huge fans of. And she is a travel planner. And she has her own website and blog at Pack Your Pixie Dust. And we're just really excited to talk to her and see how she juggles her time and learn about how she got into all of these endeavors and how she makes it all work together. So we hope you enjoy. We're going to turn it over to Christy now, and she's going to introduce herself and share a fun fact. Hi, thank you for that introduction. Wow. So I guess that explains why I'm a little bit tired Um, (laughs) (laughs) and why my blog, which we'll talk about later, does not get as much attention as it should. So I came up with actually two random facts, if you'll, if you want them. One is that I am obsessed with large ships, like freighters and barges. I love them. I bought an app so that I could find them on my phone and figure out where the, what, if I'm near a place that has a freighter passing, what is that freighter? What's on there? How big is it? Addicted. I was in court once and <laughs> there was, I could see out the window this because it was near, uh, I don't know why I can't talk tonight. Sorry about that. It was near the spot between the United States and Canada, Michigan. So they have a port and so big ships pass there all the time. And I was in court and I had to run to the window because the biggest ship that ever passed or that passes through the Great Lakes was passing through the window at that moment. I don't know. <laughs> my goodness. That it t- seems to fit with cruising, though, so it makes sense. Yeah, and forever, like my entire life, I would get addicted to looking at them. And then the other thing I'm addicted to, actually, which is the proper word, is Disney's Emoji Blitz. I cannot stop playing that game. I played it for a very, very, very long time, and then I got a new phone, and I never connected my Facebook, so it didn't it bring my it. status oh. over. Yeah, you have to have your status come through or else you can't start over again. That's painful. But I started like a year late and I'm two years in now, I would say. Addicted. Absolutely addicted. Man, those are two definitely (laughs) random, but definitely (laughs) exciting facts as well. We'll have to table that ship one since you love large ships and Disney does not have the largest cruise ships out there. So we'll have to discuss that but it's still a large ship it's not it's not a boat you know we're not just going out for a spin in it so it's still exciting (laughs) (laughs) okay good deal so i think to lay the groundwork a good place to always start is what is your disney story how did you fall in love with it and how has it grown over time yeah you know we would go as kids and then i would go we i went I have a brother and we didn't go often. So we went on a couple of trips and they were fantastic. And then my mom and I went when I was in my teens and some relatives from Australia came over. And that one was like, God, I love Disney. I really need to go here more often. And then I didn't. I think we went one more time when I was in my teens. And then when I was either I must have 
been in my young early 20s, I wanted to do a half marathon. No, that would have been 30 at Walt Disney World. And so I signed up to do that with my mom and she and I went and did a trip by ourselves. And then my one of my friends was addicted to Disney and I went with her family in our 20s and it that trip because they were professionals basically got me really addicted to it. Like I need to get back. And then I kept when I kept working on ways to get back and get back. And now we do have a problem. (laughs) We go quite a bit. (laughs) Like I think my son's been about 18 times and he's six. Oh, wow. That's definitely a record because we used to think that we went a lot as kids, but that is a record. But I feel like that's a pretty common evolution for people is all it takes is that one trip to really flip the switch. And then you're a crazy Disney person forever. Yeah. And they knew like every nook and cranny, like we would know now, but it didn't occur to me that people knew all of that. And so, and they knew they had a touring planned out and they knew which restaurants to go to at which time and what part of the park to be in at which time. And it just really made it different. It was, it was pretty, that was pretty exciting. And that was in 2006, I believe. And that is interesting because we talk about that a lot of time that a lot of people will go once and they do stand in line for Seven George Mine Train for 120 <laughs> minutes. Ooh, like, yeah, that yeah. was a miserable day. It's like, of course, that was a miserable <laughs> day. So it, there is such a steep learning curve that I wish more people could get up to speed and enjoy their time more. I always talk about we have some family friends who went down. They made no advanced dining reservations with a group of nine. Oh, my gosh. And they, And they couldn't (laughs) figure out why they couldn't eat anywhere that they wanted to eat. Mm. And so it just breaks your heart when you hear things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Walking up to an advanced dining reservation and being at a popular restaurant at a popular time and somebody walking up and saying, do you have room for four? No, no, they don't. They sure don't. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to listen and see what the cast member says to come up with their nice, polite way to say, nope, we sure don't. Yeah. I don't envy them at all. No, No, they probably get a lot of that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you you know, they do because you hear it even on your trips. And those are only our little moments. That's true. So like Brendan mentioned earlier, you do have so many different hats, but it seems that most of your time is dedicated to travel planning and co-hosting the DCL podcast. So when you are planning out your weeks or your days, whatever it might be, do you view one as having a higher priority or time commitment or are they pretty equal when you plan? So I wish I was better at planning out my weeks, but I basically, so I have a law practice and it's my own little law office and I am an independent travel planner. And so I can do as much travel planning as I want or as little. And I can do as much law as I want or a little. But if I take on a client, I actually have to deal with it in both cases. So I let the week tell me how it's going to go. I let my clients tell me how it's going to go. So if I have a big legal matter I have to do, then I do that. If I have some, uh, if I know Disney Cruise Line is dropping their itineraries, then I know to block off that time because it's going to be, time intense. And I need to make sure I can be on the phone and not having other people in my office, things like that. The podcast actually, honestly, I don't have to do much for, which is really nice. And that I I think we mentioned it. I'm not sure. It's the DCL podcast. And 
it's my co-host Steve's podcast for real. And he, it's, he's the host and he brought me in. And so, and now we have another host, Chris, and it's so fun. We have such a good time together. I would say that feels like my fun time, you know, where I just get to talk really fun topics. So that I don't think has a work element into it. It just, it is just there. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I think there's like tertiary things that are just a benefit to your day that, that it's not, you know, any ultimate goal behind it or anything like that. It's just something you enjoy doing and, you know, chatting about things that you like. So I have in my, it's probably a very difficult question to answer, but I've been thinking about this lately. So in your scenario, if you get a new call come in and you know, it's going to be a new client, do you have a preference if that is a law client or <laughs> a someone trying to plan a 11 day Western Caribbean cruise? I don't even know if they have that itinerary. That's just throwing it out there. They don't usually have an 11 day Western. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have a preference. The one thing is the law client would pay me sooner. And the travel client's payment is typically into the future. And so for travel, we get paid when they travel for the most part or when final payment occurs, depending on the company. And so that payday is never now. So maybe it depends on whether I have to pay my legal assistant or not. Um, that might be more of a joke, but I it has worked. So I, I've been an attorney for 18 years and a travel agent for 11. And... Somehow, and I have this aunt who's a business coach, and she told me, you can't do both. You need to pick one. And then I didn't pick one, and I refused to. And I said, I will figure out a way to do both. And I have. I have for all these years. And so I can't say which one I would like more. The travel's more fun. But if somebody comes to me and they've had a loss in their family and they need somebody to handle the estate, you know, that's really important for them. And that's so it's really important that I can help them. So it's like I really enjoy both and I really enjoy having both. Well, I think that's such a healthy space to be in, because I think it probably as many people are dealing with right now working from home, the line between a career and your side hustles or your side projects is blurred quite a bit. So like I'm dealing with that right now, where used to be between eight and five, I'm in my career. Now you don't, you know, you have a little more flexibility in what you're doing. And it's like, I keep coming back to working on things for the podcast. Like if I have a spare moment and I allow my mind to wander, that's where I go. So I think that's maybe just a good exercise for people to do at home. Cause that maybe tells you where you're leaning or where your mind goes when you allow it to. For sure. Mm -hmm. But I also like the travel stuff is almost always more fun, even if I have something in the legal element that's there that I have to do. I enjoy the travel. I I almost always enjoy the travel portion more. But in, in, in the little stuff, the stuff that doesn't make me any money, but the posting to social media and things like that, that is definitely more fun but it produces no income in any area for me. However, I feel like it will bring me clients, whatever, exposure, et cetera. And it's more fun, but I could easily go there instead of doing any work. <laughs> so, yeah. I, you know, like, you know, you have to, right? But I don't consider that work. And yet I, I still spend way too much time doing that. 
If we start talking if, about travel planning, how did you decide to go into it? Yeah, so it was that game that you play when you're on a walk with your spouse or your friend or whoever of the what would we do if we won the lottery game? And that is literally how it started. I can picture the exact road and day that my husband and I were on this walk and we were newly married and we were we bought a lottery ticket, which we almost never do. But I think it was like at three hundred million dollars or something. And so we're like, oh, what would we do? if we won the lotto and I said, I'm going to be a travel planner. And then we did not win the lotto, but we had talked enough about it during that walk. Cause we needed something to talk about that day. And I was like, yeah, planning people's trips and I could do this and we would go on trips, but I could help people plan when we weren't on trips. That sounds like a really great thing. And then we didn't win the lotto and it was just sitting in my mind of the, I really want to be a travel planner. <laughs> like I really want to do this. And I knew uh, an agency owner that had outside agents and those would be people who don't work in the office. So, you know, brick and mortar offices, they're a place that you could walk up, you can grab brochures, you can sit and talk to a travel agent. I knew that I couldn't do that. I had a law practice. I can't go and sit in a different office somewhere else. And so I knew that he had people that worked out of their home which I was like, I could do that. And so I guess that was the first time I knew that was a thing that existed versus just people. And I knew about them because of the business world. Like you run into people as a business owner, talking to other business owners and whatever. And then I had met one of these agents. I think somebody from that agency had booked one of our trips. And then this outside agent helped me talk about something. So anyway, I knew it was something that existed and so I just had a conversation with him and I said, you know, I've really been thinking about being a travel planner. I would like to have more information about it. And at that time, they were a part of this travel agency or this franchise agency. And so he sent me a franchise video and the video was awful. And I tell him this all the time, but I still wanted to do it. So notwithstanding that awful video, I still wanted to be a travel planner. And so we talked about it and that's how that's how we got here. So I want to talk about choosing an agency. It sounds like for you, it was kind of a, a product of networking mm -hmm. and going that route of, of using the resources at your disposal. But I do notice that the agency that you work with is a little bit different than a lot of the travel planners that we've talked with in the past, where yours is not specifically tied in to Disney, or at least the marketing is not tailored towards Disney. Do you recommend someone who's looking to partner with an agency? Do you want one with a more broader scope and, and broader services and packages to help you out? Or do you think you should niche in and, and find a Disney one? This may not be appropriate to say, but if we're being honest, booking other types of trips pay mo pays more and often requires less work than booking a Disney vacation. And I'm not saying that's the reason that people should do a particular field or get into a particular field. But a lot of times when people go to a Disney centered agency, and these are the people where 90% or 80% of their business is Walt Disney World vacations or Disney related vacations, they eventually want to venture out. And partially it's because the people who they're booking vacations for want to go somewhere else besides Walt Disney World. And so and where I am in Michigan, most of us just go to Walt Disney World. So 
I know a lot of this conversation is tailored to that, but let's say you were in Seattle, most of your people would go to Disneyland and it's just based on, I guess, where you're located. And my clients are all over, but at least in terms of Disney products, if it was a resort location, Walt Disney World is what I know more than Disneyland. So, but the same concept would apply. People want to go other places besides just that location. So a lot of times then they'll venture into cruise because there's Disney Cruise Line. But then from there, there's Royal Caribbean or Carnival or Norwegian. Or if they're going to get a little bit fancier, they're going to maybe go with Celebrity or Holland. So they start to move up. But if you're already with an agency that does all those things and are experts in all those things, but you know the thing you know, like you know Disney for the most part, right? People that are Disney addicts and want to become a travel agent know Disney. So if you go to an agency this long, I would recommend an earmarked agency just because, and that is something specific with Disney. That means you sell a certain amount of travel to Walt, with Walt Disney World or with the Walt Disney Company. But because there's things that you get, I guess, support that you get as a result of that. But other than that, I don't know that you need to be a platinum, which is the best of the earmarked agencies, just... I know this answer is really long. I'm sorry. It's just, I guess I'm trying to explain it in such a way and I could explain it for an hour. (laughs) Well, I I think it makes a lot of sense though, because, you know, Disney is at the top of our list, obviously, as far as vacations, but there are other places that you want to travel and it's nice to already have an established relationship with someone, you know, if you're looking for a travel planner who can do other things as well. Or like you said, if you are looking to become a travel planner, if you start with Disney and then want to branch out, at least this type of setup gives you that flexibility. And some people might even start with a particular agency and then transfer their business elsewhere. So they could start with an agency that only lets them sell Disney and then they transfer. And that is obviously an option as well. It's just, I think it's a little bit of a pain. Like you have to talk about who are the clients and how are you getting paid and who is still servicing that. And so there's just some random stuff from there that would have to be worked out, but that would be an option as well. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, like we were talking about taking a sandals vacation today Mm -hmm. and it'd be nice to have someone who, you know, has the support behind them to do all those different things. And even, you know, your setup where maybe your overall agency does not have specific Disney messaging in it. You have still went and named your individual business, Pack Your Pixie Dust, which has a Disney, you know, connotation behind it. And your messaging and your social media can still be geared towards that area of interest but behind you is all of that extra support. Absolutely. Well, good deal. So I want to talk about the DCL podcast as well. We mentioned before you, before we started recording, we are obsessed with Disney Cruise Line and both of us have only ever been on one Disney Cruise. <laughs> I've been on two. Oh, oh. And we were children at the time. <laughs> yeah, we were oh. minors. <laughs> <laughs> so it's on our bucket list of getting that going and making that part of our travel budget, but I want to learn about DCL podcast. If you could give our listeners just advice on what are normally the topics that you guys talk about over there. And then how did that relationship form where you kicked it off and you guys started working on it as a team? Yeah. So 
DCL podcast covers primarily Disney Cruise Line. So trip reports, information about it. We do a 101 series where we're trying to work through all the different things. So we've done entertainment. We do dining, how to pick a cabin, just Every, you know, we're going through all the topics slowly, but surely through the 101 topics, the basic information. And then we have guests on to do trip reports. The co-host and I, we talk about our trips, but then there's about 10. Well, there's a, there's some percentage of shows that are about adventures by Disney as well, because all of us co-hosts are absolutely enthralled with this concept. And so that might be like, because we're already knee deep into Disney Cruise Line, we have that. So your obsession with DCL might be like our obsession with Adventures by Disney, which is their land tour component. And so we have guests on that talk about their ABD trips as well. And we are all infatuated with that. Just just cannot wait to go on a trip, one of those trips ourselves. And then I would say a couple percentages are other topics like carnival cruises or Norwegian trip reports from other cruise lines, either usually comparing them slightly to Disney or what was the experience as a Disney cruiser on this cruise line. And then there's just a couple other percent, maybe like a percent that's just whatever random topic. So if I travel and it's typically based on where I go, that sometimes isn't a Disney trip. Let me talk about that with the co-host to discuss you know, how that went and how it compared to Disney trips or whatever. Uh, I got into it basically because I stalked (laughs) Steve. (laughs) (laughs) So I love podcasting. I only learned about podcasts about eight years ago. I think my husband taught them to me. And it was just before I was going to have my son. And he was like, So you have to listen to these. They have them on all these topics. And now I am absolutely addicted and I love talking about Disney. So I had met a friend, Kim Slusher, who I don't know how my stalking of her started. Oh, it was through a travel agent because her husband is a travel agent. And somehow we, we were talking about podcasts and he was like, my wife has a podcast and she would like someone to come on and talk. And somehow I got to do that. And I got to guest appear several times on her podcast, the Distracted Life podcast. And then Steve had been on that podcast, who was the creator of the DCL podcast. He's a pilot. And basically, he wanted to do something in this realm, in the Disney niche. And he's, it was Kim that actually said, there's a million blogs. So don't start a blog, because it'll get lost. Podcasting isn't that popular. Start a podcast. And now, of course, there's a million podcasts. But he was like, start, she, or she said, start a podcast. And that's how she started it. So she told that to Steve and then Steve started it. Steve had a couple of episodes and I don't remember why I reached out. Oh, I think I had a comment about his episode. And then I said, oh, you know, I'd be willing to come on. Kind of like I, how I stalked you guys and said, I'd be willing to come on. <laughs> <laughs> and so then he brought me on and he said, hey, would you like to be a co-host? And so we've been doing this for a few years now. That is so fun. I was going to ask, how do like cruise lovers just come together? Because it's easy, I feel like, to find, you know, Disney lovers and people in the Disney community. But to have a Disney Cruise Line specific podcast and to have so much experience with cruising, I feel like that's a harder niche. Well, and that might be one of the reasons why he chose it, because there were so few there were no other Disney Cruise Line podcasts at the time. 
So the Scott Sanders, who runs the DCL blog, he would occasionally come out with a podcast. And I don't even know if that was before ours started. He would occasionally come out with one when something new would come out. But there wasn't a weekly or biweekly podcast related to Disney Cruise. And so that might have been one of the reasons that Steve did it, just to have something that wasn't already saturated. Mm-hmm. Now there's several, I'd... but. Well, yours is still the first one that pops up, though. Yay! <laughs> That's good to hear. But I was going to say, I love, too, that you even mentioned that you bring on guests, because as me and Brendan have been listening to the podcast, I think that adds, you know, that additional experience, because there are so many things to experience in between the three of you now, even that's hard to cover. We were just listening to the Marvel Day at Sea episode. So how do you go about finding guests to come on and talk about things? They reach out and mostly to us. Oh, yeah. We don't have to typically stalk, if you will, anybody to get (laughs) them on the podcast. Everybody reaches out to us. I would say... 99% of the people reach out to us. People like, so we have asked Erin Foster. So we've had her on, who is one of the authors of the unofficial guide to Disney Cruise Line. They, people like that don't typically ask us to to be on our show, but we'll ask them. And if they, people like that, they'll say yes, then that's how that works. But for the guests that are just wanting to give their trip report, they usually reach out to us. Well, let me tell you, one day we will have the ultimate (laughs) comparison for you whenever we finally go on a Disney cruise as adults and funding it ourselves. (laughs) um, We can compare it to we took a Norwegian cruise during spring break week when they were when they were offering (laughs) the free alcohol package. Yeah, it was was college spring break. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was quite the experience. (laughs) I'm sure we did that. My mom and I did that actually when the year I did the Disney, I think it must have been a princess half marathon. We went immediately after onto a carnival cruise and it was basically a five night college spring break as well. And that is a whole different experience. Oh, man. So see, now we have to do Disney during spring break just to (laughs) just to compare. Yeah. Well, the one thing is that they don't have a drink package. And so it is less likely to be as rowdy. And back in the day when so just when my son was an infant was basically the beginning of my Disney Cruise Line experience. And he is going to be seven in June just to give you a rough, you know, comparison to where he was. So when he was an infant, you could bring on your own liquor onto Disney Cruise Line. They don't do that anymore. But I think there was a l- there were more intoxicated people as a result because it's, <laughs> you know, you go to your room and you grab whatever you want versus you could carry on. You could bring as much as you could carry. But that is sadly no longer a thing. Well, it's or still happily. crazy that. We were like 25 and 26 on this Norwegian cruise line on spring break, just, you know, less than four or five years removed from college thinking there's no way we were this annoying. (laughs) when we were We're like, oh, my God. Well, you very well may not have been that annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope not. (laughs) So. 
I mean, we we've kind of beat around it, but I want to make it clear, you know, Disney Cruise Line is it's such a big beast under the Disney umbrella. What are the reasons that you're attracted to that form of travel so much? Do you think, you know, hand in hand, would you say that you would pick a Disney cruise over a trip to Walt Disney World or do you kind of always view them as a group trip? No, we often will do one or the other. Uh, so we, I would say it's more occasional for us to do them combined because I also prefer a longer cruise. And if you're doing a week long cruise, you typically can't spend too much time at Walt Disney World. I mean, you could, but eventually I have to return to work is the problem as being, you know, these independent workers and a business owner, I have to actually return to the place. So usually we're doing one or the other. And I would say we just sort of decide, okay, this is the year we're going to do, or on this trip, we're going to do a Disney cruise versus on this trip, we're going to go and do a week at Walt Disney World or eight days at Walt Disney World or something like that. This year, for example, we didn't pick Disney to do our cruise in February, but we did a cruise the last the last trip of the year. Hopefully that's not really true, but we went on a cruise in February over my son's midwinter break. And then we were going to do a Walt Disney world week during his spring break in April that sadly got canceled. Um, and so we were getting the best of both, both worlds. Cause we were getting a cruise and we were getting Walt Disney world. And for us, the cruise is a lot more relaxing. So, and when it's a Disney cruise, we're still getting that amazing Disney element and Mickey Mouse is actually there, you know, things like that. But it's not for us. You can make a cruise tiring. You can make a cruise where you're absolutely planned from just like Walt Disney World. But for us, it's a lot more relaxing. It kind of sounds like how we view Alani when we got together. Oh, it, yeah. was, it was like all the amazingness of Hawaii and add Mickey Mouse in there. And it just... <laughs> It's the it's the cherry on top that it just makes everything perfect. It, there's a comfortability that comes along with that. I think mm-hmm. Alani might be my most favorite location anywhere. In fact, you know what? I didn't know. I didn't think about that. But my favorite for the fast pass round, and I'm giving away a hint. But I could <laughs> say Alani because if that counts, because that would be my favorite Disney hotel. We're going to have to modify it. We're modifying it right now. So you have to change it. You cannot put Alani. <laughs> well, good deal. This has been such a great first segment. I think it has been so insightful to learn all the different hats that you wear and how you divide up your time and where your interests are. I think that's so useful for our listeners to learn how something like that would look in practice of balancing all these different careers and all these different interests. So I thank you so much for sharing that. We will take a quick break and hear a message from our partners, and then we will be back to play the fast pass round. Pinterest is a beast, but once you tame that beast, it can be a really valuable asset for you and your brand and increasing your exposure. But Pinterest is a very different platform than many other forms of social media. There's different rules. There's different ways that you can grow. There's different algorithms. And it doesn't quite work the same way as Instagram or Facebook. If Pinterest is something that you think that you should up your game in, going off a guide is something that can be really valuable. Luckily, our friend Kirsten from Report the Magic has put together a Pinterest guide that will help you out and get your feet wet in that 
social media platform. If you want to download that guide, you can head to reportthemagic.com forward slash detour. Again, that's reportthemagic.com forward slash detour. We'll also put the link in our bio and head over there, check out the Pinterest guide and see if it helps you today. All right, so we're back. We're going to play the fast pass round. We added some extra ones, Disney Cruise Line themed at the beginning of this. So oh, no. we're going to spring these on you. Yes. I didn't get a warning. <laughs> I hate picking things, by the way. Picking my favorites is so difficult. I'll probably make that come through. So just so you know, I, I apologize in advance. Well, good news. Only two out of four of these ask for your favorite. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this first one's an easy one. It's just what Disney Cruise Line ships have you sailed on? I have sailed on them all. And in Disney Cruise lingo, that means I have committed. I have um, completed the Grand Slam of Disney Cruising. Oh, this one's not on there, but I'm going to. Oh, it is on there. OK, well, I'm going to mess up Brendan's order. What's your favorite Disney Line cruise ship? <sighs> OK, I think I think it's the fantasy. And that's one of the newer ones. Yeah, what, I was like, uh, do you want more? <laughs> we were both trying to think like, which one is that? And then I think it both dawned on us at the same time that we don't know. So, okay, and we, sometimes uh, I'm a lawyer and I'm like, you answer the question they ask. You don't give more information. <laughs> <laughs> we can never keep it track. So we know the magic was one of the first ones. Was it magic and wonder? Yeah. The first two. And then what f- fantasy and what's the other one? Dream. Okay, and, I think and what the are the next ones? The next is going to be the Wish. Okay, Ooh. and when do you know when that one will well, release? In theory, it was supposed to to be delivered to Disney in twenty. Well, now I lost it. I used to know, and then everything got screwed up. I think it was supposed to be delivered to Disney in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, and then the next year was it the first year it was going to sail. I think it's 2022 was supposed to be the beginning of when it was going to sail. And Disney did it in such a fashion where they said originally when it came out, they said, oh, we're getting these new ships. and They're going to sail in 2021. And then they were like, well, we're going to receive them, but we're not. It's not going to be ready to sail until the next until the next year. So we were like, interesting. So how. How much urgency will you have to get on that, to complete the, whatever the the fifth element of a Grand Slam will be? Yeah, I will not. I won't need to be on the very first sailing, but I will need to be in the first season of sailing. So and that's how I am with the new ship that I'm excited about. I'm hopeful. So sometimes they'll do these preview cruises. So maybe DCL podcast can get popular enough that Disney can invite us to preview. Now that right there, that would be perfect. <laughs> what a dream. That is a cause. To oh, get my behind. goodness. Yes. <laughs> we actually went down this rabbit hole. Steve and I did one day of of looking into how to get on the media list for Disney. So that is a dream and a goal so that DCL podcast could get on their media list. Maybe, hopefully one day. That's the dream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what is your dream Disney cruise line itinerary? <sighs> hmm. So the one I was really excited about, we 
did a couple of years ago, and that was through the Panama Canal. I really wanted to do that cruise. That's on the Disney Wonder. It's two weeks long. You start in Florida, you end in California, or you go from California to Florida. And we were able to work it out to do it just before my son went into elementary school, kindergarten. And so, and those cruises are almost always during the school year. I think they are always in the school year. So you would have to be able to to remove children if they were school-aged children for that long. So for us, it was like, could we really go with our kid on a trip for two weeks? I don't know if we can. I don't know if we can. And then we booked it and it still, it was magical. We were- Do they just- Go on. No, sorry. I was just going to say, do they have a lot of days at sea for something like that, I guess? Oh yeah. There's like four (laughs) port days and it's a 14 day cruise. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So you, yeah, you have to, but you know, there was, there were things we could not get to. Hmm. Now we took time and did nothing. It wasn't, we weren't running around all day long, but at the end we were like, oh my gosh, we could be on the ship longer. Which I feel like is something that not many people could say on a cruise ship. You know, I do feel like that's probably just the perk of Disney too, is feeling like you weren't just going to yeah, like, and, die and we <laughs> being really, on air for so long. I'm sorry. We really do love cruising. I had actually been on a Panama Canal cruise when when I had when we had graduated from college, my mom took us. And so I, it was on Royal Caribbean and it was a long time ago. And so it was a different cruising was different. You know, they didn't have rock climbing walls and all that stuff then. And I feel so old <laughs> having this conversation now 20 years ago. Um, but yeah, there's stuff that I don't know. That was, that was my favorite. Mm, my next, maybe I really want to do an Alaskan cruise on Disney. I, they have this excursion that you can take a boat off of the ship and go closer to a glacier and that one day, but those cruises are expensive. So I am sold on the Alaskan cruise for a much different reason. <laughs> and it's solely because in the promo material, you see Mickey and Minnie in their like <sighs> yellow. Mm-hmm. Like galoshes. Is that what that is? Well, it looks like the Gordon Fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> And it is quite possibly the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. No, I have to meet him wearing that. (laughs) Right. And I might pack one of my (laughs) own. A yellow yellow poncho. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Most of Alaska, though, isn't cold enough for that weather. So you might want to go in a shoulder season, though, if you're going to wear all that, like at the beginning or the end of the season. Mm. oh no that outfit is we'll adorable though. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely have to think that one through because we don't do well in the cold weather <laughs> oh yeah well go in the middle of the summer then because it really could we were hot so next question is what is the best disney cruise line restaurant and why is it tiana's oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> that is the answer um i really do think that almost everybody who's been on the disney wonder since that restaurant existed thinks that that restaurant is the very best the music is amazing at tiana's and i think that has to be the reason it wins Mm. what are the other contenders (laughs) (laughs) animators palette a lot of people love that some people even choose animators palette over 
over Tiana's and at Animator's Palette, they have and Animator's Palette is on every Disney Cruise Line ship. So Tiana's is only on the Wonder. At Animator's Palette, you do this drawing thing on the last day where they give you what looks kind of like a menu and a marker and you draw it. And then I'm not going to tell you about the magic, but there's magic that occurs at the end. It's pretty exciting. It's pretty mm-hmm. cute. Adults and children love it. And then they oh, it also, sounds like fun. Yeah, they also just have entertainment at various other times in that restaurant where they'll have... Um, do you remember in Nemo when the little fish were making symbols? They were like, they were making things out of the little fish. I don't know. It was in there somewhere. And yeah, it was, they do that in Animator's Palette. Ooh. And then they'll go through the different, the different, um, they'll go through different movies. My husband loves this part where they'll just show different pictures of it. And sometimes, and I think this is in the classic ships, so those were the first two, the magic and the wonder where they actually will start in black and white and turn, go into color as the day or as the picture goes on or as the meal goes on. So that one's pretty cool. They're really creative. Man. I know you're just hyping up everything <laughs> that we have already thought about a Disney cruise. It's just like intensifying right now. I can see Brendan's like wheels churning. Like we're going to get off this <sighs> recording together and we're going to go straight to <laughs> Disney cruise line. You should do I, it. I will get on the ship with Tiana's and I don't care where it goes. <laughs> I could not care less as long as I get to eat there. So then you have to go on the wonder. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Hey, you're official. a teacher, right? So I will be on the Wonder over President's Day next next year, 2021. So you, if you are off for an extended period of time, maybe that's a good week to go. Hmm. Is, Pre- is President's Day the one in February? Yes. Oh, we'll have to look into that. And then we can do a crossover episode of Detour to Neverland and the DCL podcast. And then it's a business expense. So then- <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think it's required. It pays for itself. Yeah. (laughs) Another perk, by the way, of being a travel agent. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're ready for our normal fast pass questions. First one is name the Disney parks that you have visited. So I've been to Walt Disney World in Florida, all four of the major theme parks. I cannot recall if I've been to the water parks. Honestly, water parks are not my thing. And then I have been to Disneyland, the two parks in Disneyland. So which of those parks is your favorite and why? That's hard. I could have a favorite for what I want to do. And I could I could analyze. Maybe the attorney in me is not always good at these questions. Ooh, maybe I can explain that. Use that as an excuse for why I can't ever answer these questions. I think it has to be Magic Kingdom. I think it's the castle. It's part of the reason. And I think it's just it makes me happy. Like seeing the castle brings joy. Makes you can't me ha- go wrong with that. Right. It makes me happy thinking about it. Same. Next one is what is your Disney bucket list trip? Okay. So I thought about this. I think it's spending having like four days at Disneyland, like four good days so that we're not rushed. We could swim. We could do whatever. And then flying to Alani for a week and staying in a three bedroom villa with my mom and my son, which is obviously excessive because I believe it sleeps 12, but I'm not worried about that, nor am I interested in having anybody sleep on the couch. I want 
everybody in my dreamland to have their own bedroom and spend a week in Alani with my mom and my son. And they love each other so much. It's hilarious. So everybody would be so happy. That sounds like a perfect trip. Just even one week in Alani sounds like a perfect trip, <laughs> right? I definitely Alani. I'm like, I keep looking at our list and going, where am I going to fit this again? I got to go right when it opened and we squeezed it in with miles and discounts and just randomness like that. And I, I need to go back. And I love too that you mentioned no one sleeping on the couch because some of those pullout couches can be brutal. We yes. often get stuck with the pullout couch. <laughs> the price can be right, right, of the pullout couch, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will never forgive my in-laws for making me sleep on the art of animation pull-down desk bed. I slept there as well. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! As a grown-up, it, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it was. Christmas, we stayed there. Yeah, we will <laughs> but, never let them live that down. And then you hear everything through the hallway. Oh my gosh. Yep. So you have to tell. So I tell people this when people want to put grownups in that room. I'm like, look, the two bathrooms is nice, but that's nice. But let's think about everything else you get. You're sleeping on a table. <laughs> they don't you don't understand until you've slept through it that it's it's truly terrible yeah I don't know how it was that my mother and on that particular trip got the bedroom my husband was traveling for work so it was just my mom my son and I she got the bedroom and I had to sleep on the table man <laughs> uh-huh all right so we've established that your favorite Disney resort is Aulani what about your favorite Walt Disney World resort I think it has to be Wilderness Lodge, but this is one of those answers I could analyze until tomorrow because it would depend on where I'm spending most of my time. And is it Christmas? Because Wilderness Lodge is so beautiful at Christmas. Or am I trying to just go to the Magic Kingdom for a particular, right? I could do this all day in that, which which case maybe Wilderness Lodge is nice because it's only five minutes away, but you could walk if you were at Bay Lake or the Contemporary. So I am the worst at answering questions, but I think it has to be the Wilderness Lodge. Can't go wrong there. Yeah, that's a solid choice. We have Thank a DVC you. contract there, but we have never stayed there. Oh, we yeah. have really? changed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, the DVC room. So we stayed there in August in a DVC room. Oh, I guess we've stayed there twice. But the regular rooms are nicer. I will. Well, they're different. Like... <sighs> They're both good. I, w- I wouldn't even be in the room too often. I'd probably right. be down at um, Geyser Point. At Geyser Point mm-hmm. the whole time. That is, that, that is my element. Yes. Yeah. It's very nice. So this next question involves some strategy, but if you could only fast pass one ride for the rest of your life, which one would it be? Uh, that one's hard. So I'm not a huge thrill ride or roller coaster type person. And so I could just never go on one of those again. Although I do really like Sleeky Dog. I'm not going to lie. Um, right now it's Mickey and Minnie's Runaround Railroad, which I was minutes away from trying when the apocalypse, apocalypse happened. I can't say that word today. When we were no longer able to go to Walt Disney World. Right now, it has to be that ride because I feel like everything I love would be that ride. There's a little bit of thrill. I love Mickey and Minnie. Going with it. I'm standing. I'm standing by that answer. 
And you've never wrote it? I have not written it yet. But and I I haven't seen too much of the the ride videos or anything because I don't or any of it because I'm not I'm trying not to get spoiled. But I have heard some people give accounts of the ride and discuss it without giving away spoilers. And it just sounds exactly what I love. I love a story. Mm, I love it. Yeah, we won't give away any spoilers, but it is an outstanding ride. So is it a is it a solid choice for my <laughs> fan? I think it is. Okay, good. I think it is. The yeah. rewritability is very high yeah. on that ride. And I have heard that. And it's possible that I even heard it from you guys. But I have <laughs> I have heard that. And so that's one of the things that makes it, makes it exciting. Like Rise of the Resistance. And honestly, I could care less about Star Wars. But that is an amazing ride. I've gotten to ride that once and man, I cannot wait to experience it again because there's so much to see. Like there's all those rooms and you see different stuff every time. So, but if I'm only fast passing one thing for the rest of my life, I feel like Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railroad is more my element. I can see that. Next one would be which ride do you think is due for an exit or a refurbishment from the parks? So I don't want it to exit ever. And I have a feeling it wouldn't. But Carousel Progress could use something. Yeah, the last time we (laughs) wandered onto that ride, it was pretty painful. (laughs) Like you want to love it for, for, you know, the history and everything. But it was painful. (laughs) Well, that is also because we had to listen to every sequence twice. Yeah. Because people kept standing up in our room so they wouldn't move it. So they just restart the track again. Yeah, we had that. So we basically wrote it twice. Mm -hmm. Because somebody left the room. So then they had to wait and pause. And yeah, we got to experience several, only not every room twice, but. Yeah. Enough. I was going to say, at least your person left. Our person just kept standing up and then they'd like wander around and then sit back down. I think because they couldn't what? find the exit. I don't know. It was a whole ordeal. Was that after the people st- went to the stage and like stormed the stage and broke the hand or all those things that happened? There was like, do you remember that I, over the summer? I don't. I remember that happening, but I don't remember if this was before or after. Because maybe they I were think- more protective after. Yeah. yeah. Well, just to the story, it it sounds bad because we felt so sorry for this person. It was a mom with a mm-hmm. young mm-hmm. child who the child did not want to be there. Mm-hmm. So I don't blame her by any means, but she couldn't find the exit. So she could, she kept standing up and sitting back down, standing up and sitting back down. And then it prolonged the whole thing. She was oh, probably no. so miserable when she got off the ride. Of course, her husband and their other child were sitting there and mm-hmm. I can imagine she just ripped Ripped one for leaving her alone on that ride (laughs) because she was miserable. Yeah, I would have. We've exited that ride a couple of times when my kid was an infant, and you're not allowed to exit, and they yelled at us a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. But then we didn't know like he would be sleeping when we went in, so we were like, "This is perfect." And then he would just scream. And who's good? Did they really want the screaming baby? And we would do everything we could to make it quiet. And make it, that's horrible, make my son quiet. And he would just not stop screaming. So we're like, we have to leave. How is that not the better choice of the screaming child? I think it is. uh, And that's a long ride to have to like sit through and endure. You know what I mean? Like if you're in that situation. Right. Yeah. That's a tough spot. 
I do love yeah, that. We're, since we're not parents, I don't feel qualified to like speak <laughs> on the subject. Maybe my opinion will change, but talk about like feeling someone else's pain yeah. in that situation. I, I felt all the anxiety and stress of that mother in that <laughs> moment. Just, just sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was better than feeling like you didn't like her. So yeah, I guess that's so. true. So this next one is which land or just area within the parks brings you the most inspiration? Well, possibly World Showcase because of all of the, you know, travel elements. And I've been to so many of those locations. It's so it's just so cool to walk down the street and you're like, that's St. Mark's Square. But probably more realistically, Main Street, USA. Because of the singing and. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I think Main Street's been our most popular answer for this. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to pick it, honestly. Right. That's that's the moment. Because it's, yeah. And it's iconic and it brings all the emotions for everybody. So I would agree with that. Next one are our food related questions. What is your favorite snack or a go to snack? Popcorn. I don't know if it's my it's not necessarily my favorite, but it's definitely my go to. Do you collect the buckets or just get the We've been disposable a, ones? A little too buckety lately. And I was fully intending to get that Skyliner bucket when we went in, a, in April. So I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bucket fan. The one that cracks me up the most is the Millennium Falcon, <laughs> because there is no way that any popcorn fits into no. that. Did you see it like There's- a Disneyland? They put French fries in it or something. No. Oh, that's funny. You probably fit more French fries in there, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I would not buy that bucket. Although my husband might might have a different answer to that. So he's like, he might be like, we are getting that bucket. <laughs> well, it just reminds me what they used to have the frozen summer of fun in Hollywood Studios. And it had to have been like 2011 when we were there. And we bought the Olaf sipper <gasps> cup. Oh, And they, they were a like... <laughs> They had memorized it because they had said it so many times. The cast member said, like, this is not meant to hold liquid. We do not take any responsibility if it spills liquid. <laughs> like, like, it literally leaks out of, like, every every crevice. <laughs> oh, that's the hilarious. drink leaks out of it. So, it's, <laughs> I don't know. We bought it. <laughs> we still bought it, which says a lot about us. But it it cracked us up. That's awesome. Next is your favorite table service and favorite quick service restaurants. My favorite table service is definitely Raglan Road all around. I love the entertainment. I love, I mean, does that count if it's not a Walt Disney World restaurant, but it's at Walt Disney World. So I just say it counts. I just, thank you. I love the food. I love, I love it all. And then my favorite quick service is Be Our Guest. I think... I don't, we don't quick service a lot, but I think that one is my favorite. Like I love the ham sandwich. I really, there's this breakfast that's way too much money that I enjoy eating. That's from there. I'm celiac. So that does potentially, that has to factor into my answers because I have to actually be able to eat the food. And so that's probably why popcorn is so, that we eat it so much in our house. But yeah, I think in terms of the options, be our guest is probably my choice. My next question was going to be, do you prefer breakfast or lunch? 
at Be Our Guest. Well, my family does not care for breakfast. Like my husband, at least, doesn't eat breakfast. And so and because then I get the gluten free pastries, I would pick lunch just because they would like it more. But I could go either way. Although I would never pay what they charge out of pocket. And we don't dining plan very often, but I would not pay out of pocket for that breakfast. That's a good pro tip. The next question are just some of your Disney favorites. So what is your favorite Disney movie? I would say I don't have a clear winner, but Beauty and the Beast, I believe they animated. Solid choice. The next one is your favorite Disney quote, either from Walt himself or from any of the movies. Okay, so this one is from Walt and it it is laughter is timeless. Imagination has no age. Dreams are forever. And I just I do love that one. Yeah, it just makes me go. Hmm. I hear it. Yeah. The last one is your favorite Disney parks memory. Mm. So I'm going to put memories <laughs> because apparently that's how I answer these questions. I, when my son was really young, he crawled really early. So like at eight months, he was crawling up a storm and he would just crawl like he was running up to these characters. And that was adorable. And so that is, and, and when we'd be standing in line to see a character, he would be lunging towards them and not understanding <laughs> like his turn. We had physically turn him or do whatever we could to not be facing the characters because he just thought Mickey Mouse was in all of them were his best friends and that he needed to talk to them all the time. Um, but then like other memories are some of them with my husband alone. Like we were gifted a two night stay at Kadani village in a Savannah room right when we got engaged and being able to be there in like the first time, cause that was the first time at that resort, seeing the animals on the Savannah and like just opening the curtains. I remember like it was 11 o'clock at night and I would, which was really late for me. I would open up the curtains and where are the animals? And I could not even sleep because I needed to see what animals were on the Savannah. So it's like some of the memories like that, like the pass holder preview at Pandora, just because it was so people weren't there yet. And the pass holder preview for in Betu for Star Wars, it was like those are such cool things because the regular, you know, population didn't get to go through it yet. So those are really amazing memories, too. I love this. And I think. I feel like one of the biggest fears that we would have in like bringing kids to Disney would be that they would be scared of the characters. So that's great that he's never, I don't know, I guess I can't say he's never been scared, but he had a great start. Yeah, he has never been scared of them. Now, he loathed the Easter Bunny and the Santa Claus at first, the first few years. And so, but always loved everybody at Disney World. That's funny. Yeah. So don't just so parents don't like gauge your child's success based on their love for one or the other. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'll never forget when our niece ran up to Daisy (laughs) and was like yelling her name and talking to her. It's pretty precious. Yeah. Your trip report from that was just like even listening to it. You just smile the whole time. 
I still watch that video sometimes. <laughs> when, when you're having like a bad day or something, just bring out the video. And by the time this episode releases, she will be two years old. Well, We're not ready to have a two year old. No. <laughs> Save those videos for her because when she gets a little bit older, she will love watching them. Oh, I'm sure. She'll she'll probably be mad at all the things that granddaddy posted about her. <laughs> well, maybe like your she... typical granddad like overposts. This is Ellie walking to the water fountain. Yeah, <laughs> this is Ellie walking back from the water fountain. It's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> well, and like she might have a problem with it at eighteen, but at five, she'll probably think it's the best. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, Christy, our very last question for you, something we ask all of our guests is if you had one piece of parting guidance that you could give to someone who's looking to jump into this community and either become a Disney content creator or maybe open up their own shop, what would your advice to that person be? You probably hear this all the time, but just start. Just do it. Yeah. And I think exactly what you did and you just had that conversation and it sparked something, you know, within you and you decided to go with it. I mean, that's, that's the best advice you can ever give. Yeah. Because if it didn't work, okay. Even, even if you're out a little bit of money, because it takes money to start a business, right? But well, then you tried and you don't have that regret looming over you. Yeah, I completely agree. You can't get to step 20 if you don't start at step one. And so you have to fail. You have to figure out how to get there and you have to start and get something rolling and you never know where it'll take you. So I love that piece of advice and I think people cannot hear it enough. So thank you so much for this. This has been such a blast chatting with you. Last thing, if you can remind our listeners where they can connect with you and with the DCL podcast online. So I am everywhere, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest at pack your pixie dust so you can find me there and then the dcl podcast we stream on all of the major podcast places so wherever you're listening to this podcast i'm sure you could find ours we also have a website where you can listen at dcl it's the worst website ever by the way just so people know dclpodcast.com and then we are on twitter instagram and facebook as well Perfect. So we'll put the links to all of those in our show notes below so you can easily connect with Christy and with the rest of the team on the DCL podcast. So Christy, thank you so much for chatting us with us today. We had such a blast. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.